All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Holy hell, that was a win time. What do we what do we say when good things happen time? Probably should have thought about that before we hit record on the podcast time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in Fort Rucker Studio, West Rucker, Patrick Brown. Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, working clockwise as per usual. Got the full crew tonight because you know what—that's what happens when Tennessee wins a football game. Yeah, you go out there and do your job, fellas. And can we cuss on this podcast? What well, what do you define as cussing? West said a curse word, like ten seconds in. Yeah, it's the last time my kids listen to this podcast. That's not a cuss word. H e double hockey sticks. Even oh, for yeah. the even for the Bible Belt, it's 2019. It's 2019, bro. Way across the line. So one week. Sorry, kids. You're so so let let's get this straight. One week of Grant Ramey being the only one who predicts a score correctly, and he walks in here thinking that he can just create new rules for the podcast whenever he wants. Is that how it goes? I am both the hero we need and the hero we deserve. Just just for you listeners out there, just be warned. He's going to bring that up a lot. He's over here. I mean, chest bumping himself. I'm doing that two hand claps thing. <laughs> What's this called? And he's you know gonna what? he's gonna have a whole new like aura about himself when he goes to the gym this week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and it'll st- be new. It'll be new Max. Uh, yeah. It's total Bart Scott mode. Can't wait. Instead of listening to music, it'll just be like he'll have he'll have someone record those those predictions basically and just read them like a narrator, and he'll read his own prediction just over and over and over again. He'd be like, oh, I can do one more rep. Listen to that. Grant, you were the only one who picked uh, picked Tennessee to beat Mississippi State. So Pretty good feeling. Tell us, car handled t- real good. Yeah, tell us, wh- tell does, us why. How does it feel to be so clairvoyant? Yeah, tell us why you picked the loss. Just because I'm so smart. I don't know. It just, just 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 comes to me. I just wake up. This is this is podcast perjury right here. It's just uh, how, I didn't, how, didn't put my hand on the Bible. How close were you to picking it the other way? I was not close at the, all. The whole week you just knew. No, I'm you, a man of conviction. You just had that feeling right in your gut. I don't waver. Right in your gut, you just had a feeling. I don't about have it. a gut because I go to the gym. I'm going to be honest with you, fellas. <laughs> uh, Rick Barnes begs to differ. I'm going to be honest with you, fellas. He's I, old and senile. I, senile. <laughs> I, I did not... I, I wasn't shocked that Tennessee won that game, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of people out there on Sunday, and I know we're at Monday morning now, so hope you're having a good Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday, whatever, whatever day it is, whatever time it is. We mean that. But assuming you're listening to this fresh on Monday morning, fellas... Um, I think a lot of people out there are saying that Mississippi State looked like a turd on fire in that game. but And I don't think they're wrong necessarily, but let's give some credit to Tennessee here. Mississippi State 10, Tennessee 20. The Vols get a win over a team that is really not a bad football team, a team that certainly isn't as good as it was last season, a, a team that, that has some holes. Um, but let's remember this. Mississippi State had all hands on deck for that game, and that was the same all hands on deck Mississippi State team. The only other time that team had been on the field this season, uh, it just completely wiped the floor with the Kentucky team that that almost beat Florida. So that's not a bad football team. It had the SEC's leading rusher. Uh, if you want to see a bad football team, you should you should look at Arkansas, which lost or, or Vandy. Yes, uh, Vanderbilt then Arkansas. Vanderbilt lost to UNLV by like a hundred, and UNLV sucks. And Arkansas bad. lost to Kentucky, who was playing its best wide receiver at quarterback. And I know Tennessee fans are saying, careful, hey, careful. Matt, Matt Rourke. Matt Rourke was not Kentucky's best. Reference. Matt Rourke was not Kentucky's best receiver. So this is this is an apples oranges comparison. Is is Matt Rourke spelled the same way as Tanner Roark spells his name? Because that's know. like the same name, I think, but it's Who's pronounced that? differently. He's pitcher. a pitcher. Baseball for who? It's the sport that they don't really play in Memphis, except for the AAA team of uh, Satan's own St. Louis uh, Cardinals. Baseball West, is stupid, and you cursed the Braves last week. So good job. Wes doesn't know who Tanner Roark plays. Yeah, for appreciate anymore. that, Wes. Bottom line here I is appreciate that. Bottom line here I don't is I think I got to comment on that. We're, we're going to get another uh, another just diatribe here from Ramey on the uh, transitive property, but bottom line here is that 
I don't think Mississippi State is a terrible football team. I really don't. More I, importantly, Tennessee is not at a stage in its program where it can just be like, huh? Well, sure, no. I think, so SEC wins. I mean, t- t- anybody, Tennessee beats anybody. It, it's, a, it's a good performance. But t- that team has a really good running back. It has a really big, pretty talented offensive line with some NFL guys on it. That team played some of its be- all of its best defenders in that game, and some of those defenders are good football players who will be playing at the next level. That was not an FCS team. That was not a really, really bad SEC team. That was a decent football team, and Tennessee, despite making some big mistakes and leaving some points on the field again, which we'll discuss later, Tennessee went out there and comprehensively won that football game. They were the better team on offense. They were the better team on defense. They were the better team on special teams, and they coached better than Mississippi State did. All four areas of the game, they they beat. Mississippi State came into that game 10th nationally in turnover margin, and that's an important stat. That's a really important stat, and that team now has forced a turnover in 22 consecutive games, which is the longest streak in college football. Tennessee won the turnover margin against that team. Tennessee's secondary is intercepting passes. Tennessee is bringing quarterbacks off the bench who are making game-winning plays. Tennessee had a guy who I think some of us at times forgot was still in the program emerge to have three catches for 56 yards and the game-winning touchdown or game-clinching touchdown, I should say. I was correcting myself, Ryan. Don't get in the way of me correcting myself. Tennessee... Callahan to record. Tennessee somehow did a lot of good things Saturday, and it didn't play perfectly, which I think makes the win even better. Ruckering is something else, by the way. Because <laughs> if you do everything you can do right, and you play the best game you possibly could have played, and you win, you're like, okay, that's the high water mark. No, Tennessee could have played better in that game, and it's still won by two scores. I think it's a good thing. It listen, is. Listen, am I surprised they won? No, I picked them to win. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just gonna say it and is. Away we go. It is surprising. So here's what I can't. It it reminded me of last year's Kentucky game because I was really disappointed in Mississippi State. Not that I thought Mississippi State was a great team. I just thought they looked terrible Saturday. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is Tennessee played that well, and how much of it is Mississippi State just was for a three win team already really not any good. And uh, maybe a little of both, if I had to guess. I mean, Tennessee clearly played better on defense because I mean it's the fewest points they've allowed all season uh aside from chattanooga and then um when's they, the last time an sec team did that uh kentucky what, what did kentucky have 10 seven 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 you're right 24 seven and there you yeah. go so uh shout out to the company but yeah that was a that was a good kentucky team that just didn't look like it had any life on offense that day against tennessee and then mississippi state you know another team i will say this is now the third time in two years we've seen this a team that's maybe more reliant on its run game that tennessee has I guess matched up well enough in the front seven with that it shut down the run game and sort of took that team out of its element. And, and that's, you know, same thing with Auburn last year where they didn't have a great passing game to counteract it. Same thing with Kentucky where they had no passing game really with Terry Wilson. And now this game, Mississippi state's quarterbacks couldn't make up for the fact that Kylan Hill had his worst game of the season. So give them credit. They found a way to stop the run, but I feel like that just like they were confident enough at seven to three that when Maurer came out of the game, Tennessee just played for the field goal. Right. They just said, Unapologetically, too, was making yeah. it very, very clear that they were just going for a field they goal there. It, they ran it, what, nine straight times yeah. on Garantano's and, first nine snaps? And they just didn't change the game plan at all in the second half. They, they they legitimately thought they could win the game, it looked like, with 13 points and didn't didn't seem all that worried about it at the time. And an, it, old maybe, school, an old school coached football game. Yeah, and maybe could have backfired on them, but they seemed confident. So I think maybe they knew Mississippi State wasn't that good of a team. But either way, I was kind of disappointed. And, uh, but give Tennessee a lot of credit because they played well. I felt like it's been a while since Tennessee's won the game on both lines of scrimmage, yeah. the way they won that game. I mean, even if that offense, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on at quarterback for Mississippi State. They but, just started the wrong guy. But, yeah. I mean, even – I mean, Trader wasn't any better. He was. He was. All he did picks. was pretty. All he did was pretty much run around. I thought he looked which a is, lot like Tommy Stevens looked. Which well, is, has been effective against Tennessee before. Is quarterbacks who run around. Of how bad? I mean, remember the whole you can't go tippy toeing in there that Pruitt said last year. Well, those those uh, corners and everybody there sitting on blitzes didn't go tippy toeing in there. I mean, they had, I think, five sacks entering that game, and they ended yep. yesterday with how many? Seven. Uh, they had, they, well, they game. had. 10 TFLs to 7 sacks. Yeah. I mean, and 3 interceptions. I mean, just the way the way that defense looked like a completely different group than we've seen, you know, through the first uh, what, 5 games before that. And what was 
really, really impressive to me. Uh, I think every Tennessee fan was watching that second half. They can go on up 13-10, uh, worried that you're going to kick a field goal and go up 16-10 and put yourself in a position to get beat with a, a late touchdown. Mississippi State goes, you know, down the field, what, 85-something yards yep. to, to get within 13-10. A Tennessee, classic play where they made the, the fourth down play where Tennessee right, doesn't and, make the and play. Tennessee needs an answer right there. And Tennessee goes 90 yards on nine plays, and they run the football, and they just – they they, I mean, that's how you put a game on ice, and that's what's been missing for a long time. I thought that was really impressive, that final draw. It was. And I think the way that that, that – I mean, any play call that works – you go, man, what a brilliant play call that was. And anytime a play call doesn't work, you go, man, what a stupid play call. And sometimes it's not that simple. But the way they designed that play, that that kind of looked like a hitch that, that Bird ran, but then the other two receivers were blocking and kind of pinning guys in, and they ran around to the corner. Just a really, really good play kinda call in that situation. Like, uh, that was an RPO, wasn't it? I mean, that was Garantano sort of improvising. Yeah, right? it was, but but those receivers were were blocking in, and they were clearly trying to get him to the sideline. They've been like coached to do that. Trigger warning, Gainesville 2015. Yeah, a little bit. Mistaken. A little True. bit. A little bit, yeah. I, I'd comment after the game, by the way. I think it might have been Matt Butler um, speaking off to the side, um, not at the podium, but some, one of Tennessee's players after the game, though, said he wasn't sure why Mississippi State changed quarterbacks, which I thought was really strange um, because most people <laughs> that were watching that game said, why did they start Tommy Stevens? Yeah. Well, well you can see why uh, Tennessee's coaching staff, Jim Pruitt said this after the game, they wanted to make Mississippi State's quarterbacks beat them. And yes, I think yep. we talked about that a little bit on this podcast. That's how you have to approach this. Uh, they sold out on, on Kylan Hill. I think Hill got frustrated. They hit him early. They they stuffed him twice was, really early. There was one play, I think it was in the third quarter. Uh, I, I can't remember when it was. It was when Emerson and Daryl Taylor got him for like a five-yard loss. Uh, Taylor got him on the face mask, didn't grab it. But he, he kind of pulled his head around, didn't grab the face mask, and then somehow, I don't know if Taylor like popped his helmet off like at the end of the play. I don't know what happened, but he was frustrated, and, and I, I think Taylor mentioned that after the game, but... This was, a, I think, a very well-coached game by Tennessee. Defensively, um, they put the game on Mississippi State's quarterbacks, and as we saw, Mississippi State's quarterbacks weren't up, weren't up to the task. So Correct. Well, you, I, just because it's, it's an obvious way to coach a game doesn't make it the, uh, the way that you actually coach a game. And, and then offensively, why would you uh, – and they were taking some heat um, for being conservative during the game, but why would you – if you get adventurous or you get risky mm-hmm. and you make a mistake and you give a team that's – shooting its own feet off and can't get out of its own way, and you give them, you know, you, you rejuvenate them by doing something stupid or making a mistake, you let that team back in the game. And so the, I understand why they were conservative, and, and I think that was the approach that they needed to, to take to win this game. Now it's not going to be how they coach every game, and it's not going to be how they're going to win games in the future. If they, if, uh, it, but at that for this particular game, the way they called it, the way they approached it, the conservative approach on offense – is what it was needed, and it worked. And Patrick, I, think, you, I think they could have beaten Kentucky and Vandy maybe playing that way. I don't know if any yeah. of the other SEC games on the schedule they can win doing that. I think they probably know that. Yeah, and Patrick, you make a good point. That I, I was reminded of Jeremy Pruitt discussing this earlier this year when he talked about turnover margin, saying that, hey, last year we didn't play mistake-free maybe, but we just sort of got out of our own way long enough for other teams to beat themselves. And that I think that's kind of what happened in this game. I think it's basically what the – I don't know if that was the game plan, but that's the way it worked out. I mean – Fumbling the kickoff, the opening kickoff, yeah. get, getting pinned inside your 10-yard line, yep. and there's a tackle for a loss pretty much immediately, uh, and the crowd's in the game from there. And that kind of really set the tone defensively for as, as aggressive as they were. Uh, and, and, I mean, back to both lines of scrimmage, I mean, how much better does the offensive line look right now? I don't know. Yeah, a lot. How mm-hmm. ba- how good Mississippi State's front is or, or where they kind of rank and Defen- stuff like defensive, that. Defensive tackle is the one area where Mississippi State really has struggled to replace the right. guys that did it lost. But it, the rest of the front seven, I think they feel pretty but good about. But, I mean, about. Tennessee ran for, I think, 191 or something like that. Yep. And there wasn't really any huge, huge runs. It was, it was kind of just take what was there and, and keep moving the chains. You know, one thing that I, I'm trying to – because I think a lot of people, and justifiably so, have been giving Joe Moorhead a rough time, you know, the past 24 hours or so, however, 36 hours, however long it's been. Well, they did that coming off an open day. Yeah, t- time kind of seems to stand still sometimes, but but it, it's like... Specifically it, in Starkville. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it from Moorhead's standpoint, Stevens typically is the, the better thrower, and even though he's not played a ton of football, he is a senior... And I think maybe he thought going into that game, you know what, I'm going to go with the older guy here. Uh, and, and I think that, that you know, if he hands the ball to Kylan Hill, he gets some things going. That opens up some play action. And then, 
you know, Tennessee secondary can, can be had in certain situations. And, and I, I think he probably saw the game going a certain way. And that's why I think he kind of kept sticking with uh, Stevens there, because I think he just felt, you know what, if he can just stop throwing the ball to the wrong team, he can make plays against the secondary. I think, I, I think his head in some ways was was in the right place there, but but I I also think that uh, that game just went totally the wrong way, and I think he was slow to respond to it, and I think Pruitt very quickly addressed the fact that Tennessee was making mistakes in the red zone again. Tennessee was doing things that that were kind of dumb, that that were mistake filled football, and, and I think he decided, you know what, screw it, let's just we'll get conservative here. We will see if the defense can hold on to this, and if they can't, then we'll try to go down the field. But I, I don't think he was, you know, actively trying to just go into a shell. But I think he did a pretty good job early on of addressing just what kind of game that was going to be because he felt like his team could keep stuffing state because it did that to Kentucky last season. Yeah. I mean, it's done that before. I mean, play good defense and, and have a ball control offense. That's a that's a pretty old school formula. It works. It works. And, and I do think that. Even, you know, regardless of what Mississippi State had quarterback, I think Tennessee was the better team on Saturday. They have a better coach team. They played better. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think the, the the best part of this win for Tennessee, and, and, and Wes, you and I talked about this after the game. You were kind of a column on it. Uh, I had a post about it on, on the checkerboard. Is that Tennessee got a lot of help, a lot of contributions from a lot of – Random places. A lot of places. Some new guys. We saw a lot of Ramel Keaton and Jared Means in this game. Um, obviously, the, the you know, Jared Garantano, the outcast, comes off the bench. Taboos again. It Still should be getting noted. Um, Tyler Burr comes out of nowhere. You know, Jerome Carvin's a guy that's been kind of behind the scenes, not making a whole lot of noise on the offensive line. Uh, definitely outplayed Ryan Johnson at right guard when when Carvin was in there. Um, defensively, you know, Kevon Bennett makes a play. Uh, they finish the game with Kavaris Couch and and Salon Page playing. Two hundred and eighteen pounds, Solon Page the third uh, playing in the second game of his career yeah, as a fourth just, year junior. You, know, you, you can't make it up. You, you get stuff like that. I mean. So you get a lot of contributions from a lot of different places, and and that's how Tennessee, if they're going to continue to salvage the season, that's how they're going to have to win. They're going to need kind of a all-hands-on-deck kind of performances week in and week out because they're not at the point now where they have these star players. Like they don't have a Josh Dobbs or Alvin Kamara, guys like that that can take over games. They don't have Derek Barnett that can single-handedly wreck another team's offense. Um, so they're going to have to do it sort of, I don't want to say by committee, but they're going to have to get that from a lot of places. Defensive line, a lot of guys chipped in there, I think, Four of the six guys that played a lot had tackles for loss or sacks. So uh, they're going to need sort of a, you know, they're going to have to do that to sort of, uh, you know, exceed the sum of their parts at this point until they get more of those game-changing kind of players that, that other teams have. But uh, that's what happened on Saturday, and that's what they're going to – that's the formula they're going to need to continue to follow moving forward. Well, about, you, oh, go ahead, Ron. I was just going to say Patrick and Grant have already touched on this, but they deserve a pretty lengthy shout-out, I think, given how bad I thought they might be there going into the year. Tennessee's defensive line won this – you know, the front seven won this game, but the defensive line I didn't think was capable, honestly, of this type of performance against an SEC offense. And they came in and shut down a good running game uh, with a good running back, one of the more underrated backs in the league probably – they came in and held him to 13 yards. I mean, he, he won't have another game like that probably the rest of the year. If, if even if you know they'll play some yeah, better defense. I mean, if you if you told me three interceptions, uh, seven sacks, ten tackles for a loss, yeah. I would have said that's a pretty good October. Yeah, well, and <laughs> that's a whole month's worth of stats. And I just thought Tennessee lost so much on the defensive line. Look how I mean they couldn't stop BYU's running game really uh, earlier this year. There there were some pretty mediocre run games they faced earlier this year. They couldn't. Florida doesn't have a great running game and. Had some had some luck running the ball against Tennessee, so I just didn't think they were capable of this, and they came in and shut down a pretty good running game. If you had just just consider this, if you had told Jeremy Pruitt in say June, July, August that in this Mississippi State game, Brian Maurer would be your starting quarterback, you would get a combined seventeen yards on three catches from Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. Tyler Bird would be your leading wide receiver, and you would finish the game. With Solon Page the third playing an inside linebacker, and Mauer, and Mauer would throw two end zone picks and, in the first uh, what twenty minutes of yeah. football. And yep. if you if you presented if you postulated that to him, you gave him that scenario. I think he says, "Oh God, Mississippi State wins that game by thirty points." And when you think about the way they got some of those plays, the guys they got those from, guys that, to be frank, a lot of us had given up on. And, and not just to say that they're bad football players, but just that it wasn't going to work out at Tennessee. That, you know, either the system wasn't right for them or or 
whatever it was, they just weren't going to be good football players at Tennessee. And, and six or seven of those guys showed up and made plays and won a game. Now, is it possible this team still goes like, you know, four and eight? Something? Yes, it is. It, that is still very much possible. But all those guys came together on that one day and they got their win. And I think that shows you the power of just not quitting. Just if you don't quit, sometimes good things can happen. And these guys, Tyler Bird has had an unbelievable attitude about his entire situation. He has kept working hard. He, you know, they, they have those GPS things that check how, how fast you're running and how many yards you're running. He's near the top every day in both categories. They check that now. They have the technology for it. And, and he's out there every day playing as hard as he can. And if you tell him you're not going to play much on offense, you're not going to catch the ball much, he says, fine, I'll go be a good special teams player. I'll go be a good run-blocking wide receiver. I'll keep working hard, and maybe if I get a chance, I'll catch some passes. Lo and behold, Brandon Johnson's going to redshirt, so all of a sudden there's a couple more reps out there to be had, and Tyler Bird steps up and takes them, and look what he does. He has the best game of his career. And, you know, Solon Page, again, this is his fourth year, fourth year in the program. That was the second time he'd been on the field, and he's out there in a close game in the fourth quarter Playing middle linebacker at 200, uh, well, I guess weak side linebacker, at 218 pounds. It's not, good when, it's not good when you have more numbers in your name than career games played. Correct, correct. And he goes out there, and he makes a tackle and does a couple of good things. You know, you got Daryl Middleton out there getting sacks in crunch time. You know, you got Matt Butler stepping up in the first quarter and getting one. You know, there's so many good stories here of just guys that, that, that didn't quit. You know, Kenny George had a terrible offseason. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, he had an issue on spring break and, you know, you wondered if he was even going to be back on the team. But what does he do? He goes back to work. He keeps working. And boom, he's right there getting an interception against Mississippi State. You know, the unfortunate thing with Flowers is that, you know, he finally starts looking like the guy that Jeremy Pruitt thought he was going to be. And what happens? Well, he breaks his leg and that sucks. But they, you know, Theo Jackson was a guy who had been starting, played by all accounts pretty decent football. Uh, at least I thought he did. And he loses his starting job going into that game somehow. And, and then he steps right back in there when Flowers goes down and he plays good football. And, you know, Nigel Warrior, a guy who looked like he could never play the pass. I, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I had given up on the possibility of Nigel, War, be, Nigel Warrior being an above average or at least even average defender against the pass. Uh, and, and what... What look at it? He's he's got better numbers than he's ever had in that way. He, they're doing things and they're getting them from places that you wouldn't expect, and that's what teams who want to win games have to do. And just for good measure, just like last year, they get the momentum of that Auburn upset, and they get the momentum of this Mississippi State upset, and they go straight to Alabama. <laughs> way to go! And Bring it back down to earth. So, something I want to add on. Uh, uh, that's why the vibes are getting out now because early the, the second podcast this week's gonna be like the guys this this is gonna suck on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hunker down and get get ready to go. Um, yeah, not you brought up Nigel Warrior going into this season. He had five career pass breakups and I think one interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has four interse- four pass breakups and an interception in the past two games. Mm-hmm. So that that's the level that he's suddenly come out of nowhere. I don't want to say nowhere, but he he's produced more in the past two games. I mean, than, like, than he had in, in two years of start of starting in, in D- Tennessee's defensive line. I was looking this up uh, on Sunday. I think they, as a group combined, they went in, into Saturday's game with I think four and a half tackles for loss combined, and between four or five guys on Saturday, they had five and a half. Yes. I mean, if you had told me, but you know that that a guy would have that many, that, that a guy could start for two years and change and have like five pass breakups, I would have thought. Was this like 1930? Is this 1920? Are you playing service academies every week? How is that possible to play that many snaps and not have more, you know, pass breakup numbers? Um, but that was the case. And lo and behold, you keep working at it. You keep working at it. All of a sudden, things start to get better. Yeah, I was going to say, you also wondered, just like last year's game against Auburn, this comes off, uh, I guess, two weeks removed from an open date. You know, last week we didn't know how much better Tennessee got during the open date because they were playing Georgia. And I guess we learned a little more about Georgia this weekend with the loss to South Carolina. But I think all we learned was that everybody has a bad day now and then. Yeah. I mean, but, but there were some concerns coming out of that Tennessee-Georgia game. Georgia fans were sort of 
wringing their hands a little bit over how they'd played to that point in the season. So there were warning signs of that for Georgia. But my point is, we didn't really know, because it was a top three team like that nationally, we didn't know how much better Tennessee had gotten during the open date. But Jeremy Pruitt mentioned before, he thought Tennessee got better during last year's open date. Did this team figure out some things, and maybe from the Georgia game too, but did they get better during that open date? We're, we're at least seeing some signs that maybe that's the case. Maybe, and maybe the quarterback change is all it is. But either way, they they did enough good things right on both sides of the ball that uh, I think this team is clearly playing better than it was a few weeks ago. You know, Ryan, you just gave us a good segue, and I'm going to take it. Guys, we're going to step away uh, for, for break here. We're going to go listen to some ads. Probably we think, gonna, yeah, have have product services, Allegedly. all those kinds, all those kinds of things, and uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about what Tennessee needs to do or should do or can do at the quarterback position moving forward after a pretty interesting Saturday in that regard. Hashtag. Ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. To the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, got the full crew in the house on this Monday morning, Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, talking Tennessee football, and um, for the first time in a while, not speaking of it like it's a pet in a Sarah McLaughlin commercial, where we, we are, this is happy, guys. Can you feel the happiness in this room? I can, for sure. Can you feel the happiness? This is a, this is, this is, guys, this is going to be a happy city for a few days. I feel like I've had a glow myself. Lately. It's going to be a happy city for at least like five or six more days, right. and I think everyone should we should enjoy that. Let's go out there and enjoy the weather and the the sun shining, birds chirping. Guys, this is going to be a happy place for the next. Allow few this days. wind to pick you up. I was going to ask you, Grant, why do you feel so? Why, do you, why are you feeling so good lately? And you know, just riding riding high a little bit, basking in the glow of your your correct. Prediction. I have the glow of a pregnant woman right now. <laughs> You know, you said, don't go there. You said you say that don't carefully. Don't go there. I thought you, thought you, you said y'all that. weren't having any more. You don't you put don't that evil it. on me, Ricky don't Bobby. You, I'm not the one who did it. You and, put that knife in my leg. And, and by the way, before we go on to talk about Tennessee's quarterbacks, I do want to say you, you did have a date night last week. I just want to put that. Whoa. Out there. Hey oh, hey oh. First we're cursing on the podcast, and then it's really not safe for work. <laughs> it, you're talking about this. This is a Monday. We're talking what was today? Monday, October 14th. Which, if you're ladies and gentlemen, these people do not pay us a penny. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. Happy Letterkenny Day. Oh, Thank you, Canada. Thank you, Canada. The greatest sitcom on television right now comes back uh, two-day, seventh season of Letterkenny. I don't, think it, I don't think it's a sitcom. We don't need to do it. I was going to say, much. is it a sitcom? Eh, it's funny. Yeah, but I, I don't think of it as like the... A comedy show? Yeah, but it, it's, it, it's, not, it's, it's not a situational kind comedy, of which is... Yeah. You know, that's just sitcom stands for. Yeah, but, kind that, of is but it's, not real, it's not a realistic situation, though, which is, I think is why it's part of the allure. How do you know? I mean, how many days you spent in Canada? This segue is great in the quarterback talk. Yeah. We're going to get there. You know what? You know what happens? You know what You know what they have in Canada, you jerks? They have the CFL. You know what that is? A football league. You know what we're going to talk about right now? Football. How's mm, that for a segue? Six Terrible. degrees of letter kidding. Put that in your one good prediction of your pipe and smoke it. Here's the thing, guys. Uh... I don't know that that any of us would have expected this, but but the fact is Tennessee won a football game against an SEC team not named Vanderbilt by throwing 14 passes, which is just sort of mind-blowing when you think about it. Uh, but Tennessee did not have to put a lot on the quarterback Saturday. And uh, that worked out in the that worked in the favor of Jared Garantano, who who came back into the game for for Brian Maurer, who started uh, and did a lot of the Brian Maurer stuff that we did. I've said all the time he's like a really exciting puppy. Sometimes he's going to pee on the carpet, and that's what he does. He's going to make big plays, and then he's going to so, throw so interceptions. Says the guy with the cat. Um, I have had dogs and cats my entire life. I don't know what you're talking about. We have always, we have always. I think I'm um, what. You're gonna say I'm 40 years old. I'm not. I'm 37 years old. I think for I think he 30, just said he's 40. Grant. I think for 32, I think for 32 of my 37 years, I've lived with a dog in the house. So you know what? 
I like both animals. Sue me. He's an older cat lady now. Here is <laughs> the, uh, the, the I, I do want to I do want to say this about Maurer. Uh, we we actually got to see him run a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in this game, we had, hadn't really seen that a whole lot. Uh, he had two he had two really nice runs. One was a scramble, mm-hmm. put a spin move on a guy, like broke, twenty yards downfield too, or whatever. Yeah, it was. broke a couple of tackles, and then the uh, the other one was a keeper. It was well blocked on that side, um, and that was the play he got hurt on. Um, Maybe should have his moved. feet. Well, we got to see a little bit of the wheels that coaches have talked about that we've mentioned, uh, and, and they finally were let out on the track. Yeah, maybe next time um, he'll slide occasionally or at least just go down and not yeah. leave his feet. That's probably, unless it's like fourth down and goal, I, I don't know if I would recommend leaving your feet there, but uh, he did, and uh, by doing that, he did uh, sort of uh, do what I would call, I don't know, like a 180 almost because he he started with his uh, feet on the ground and his head in the air, and he ended with his head on the ground and his feet in the air. At but, one point, uh, at one point, he was like Ricky Bobby, saying like, "I'm flying through the air. It's not good." <laughs> yeah, it's not good. This is not good. Uh, it wasn't. It was a. It was a pretty nasty looking fall, and uh, that that more or less ended his day. Uh, he was diagnosed with a concussion. Now we should say after the game that. Um, first off, we're not doctors. Pruitt said it was a concussion, so that's what I'm. I'm You're not go a doctor. With that. Thanks for that. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Not a medical doctor, anyway. <laughs> and so I, I am. I am a. You know, I don't. I don't even need to defend myself to you. Yeah. Okay. But after the game, he was celebrating with his teammates. He jumped up into the crowd like he was having a good time afterwards. So I don't think it was too too bad. But better safe than sorry with with heads and football players in this era. Bottom line is he comes out of the game uh, with about a minute or so to go in the first half, and then Jarek Garantano uh, steps in to fill that void. Steps in again to booze just as he did the previous week. And what does he do, fellas? He completes six of seven passes for 106 yards and the game-clinching touchdown, and the only incomplete pass that he threw all day was one that was a tough throw as he was getting crunched, and it could have been caught. So so what, what you're saying, Wes, is that quarterback controversy is back on. <laughs> I say it's only back on for this week and okay. for a very specific purpose. Okay, well, first, first of all, with Maurer, uh, he, he is his team's best quarterback moving forward. For I agree. Season. Completely I don't, agree. I don't think there's any question about that. Completely agree. Um, what he, the risk that he brings for being a freshman and that we've seen, uh, you have to take it because there, there's a reward on the other end of it. He's, he's mm-hmm. making plays. He's uh, getting the ball to the playmakers. He's doing things that this offense wasn't doing. Um, and and he, he just – this offense has had a sort of a new lease on life with him in there. Um, so, but you have to understand he's going to make mistakes. The, the first interception on Saturday – was misread. You, you, you got to see that that coverage is bailing. That's at least a first down, probably and, a touchdown. And, and you see if he's bailing towards the fade, you got to throw the ball to, to Callie out there, and he probably picks up a first down. Um, or he walks into the end zone. And then, back bails far and then the, uh, the second interception was just a bad decision, and this was two plays after he flipped over on his head. We don't, you know, we don't know if that was why. Throw, it, throw it away take the field goal. Yeah, the, the, and, and if you're going to throw that ball, you've either got to throw it almost in the stands – or you got to throw it to the to the pylon in the corner, right? Uh, to where, if, if, I, I if, think if, if he, unless Josh unless Josh Palmer makes a superhuman play, that ball is incomplete. What That's is it? Simple. What is it about Josh Palmer and guys throwing interceptions when they should be throwing better <laughs> passes to him? I don't understand that, this. Well, that's the that shows. I mean, this is the hardest adjustment for quarterbacks to make, and there's a reason for it. It's the kind of throw you can get away with in high school usually, yes. Yes. and he's used to doing it. He was he sort of freelanced a lot in high school, and that's one of the strengths. He needs to continue to be able to freelance and sort of make plays when the pocket breaks down and all that stuff. He needs to continue to do that, but you've got to take that instinct and sort of rein it in as a, as his coach. So it's a, it's a challenge for Chris Winkie and Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt to get him to see that play and understand, okay, you've got a natural instinct to make plays, but now you've got to be smarter with the ball. Now you've got to throw it away sometimes, and that's not something high school quarterbacks usually have to think it's about. Hard to, it's hard, though, because you, you walk the fine line there yeah. because some guys, and I think he's one of them, they can freelance and they can do really neat things on those plays. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was a play early in the game where I don't know if it was a bad snap or I don't know if, if Maurer just wasn't ready for it or if he just, you know, mishandled it, whatever. Bottom line is uh, he bobbled the snap and hilariously Eric Gray looked at it like, I'm not getting anywhere near that. And so what happened is Brian Maurer, instead of just panicking, what does he do? He takes off and runs and gets like five yards on a play where – a lot of quarterbacks either throw that ball away or they take a sack in the backfield, and he takes a 
broken down, busted play and gets five yards out of it. There was another play in the game where he ran out there and scrambled and, and got really good positive yardage on a play where a lot of quarterbacks were throwing the ball away or, you know, maybe taking a sack and he's able to wiggle out of it and go make a play. He can do those things, but you're walking a fine line there because you have to tell him, listen, go make plays, go be aggressive, but don't be stupid. There's a difference. Speaking of stupid, uh, I think this whole, oh, don't play Maurer against Alabama because it's Alabama, I think it's BS. Oh, no, I think it's completely the smart thing to do. No, well, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. If he's healthy, you're playing him. He's your best quarterback. He gives you your best chance of winning. He's already played at Florida, so you don't have to worry about you know him getting out there on the road right. and being uncertain. I know the game's going to be... How many question, How many quarterbacks are there? I'm not are saying there in you're the country? I'm not saying you're stupid. No, but I'm West. saying is how many quarterbacks are there in the country that you could go there and you could plug that quarterback into Tennessee's offense right now and you could outscore Bama. I'll I'll that's, say this. That's though. not the point. That's yeah. not the point. He needs the, to learn. He needs the yes. game time. You, you need to beat South Carolina. I, and I, I thought about this because I my initial reaction was the same thing Wes was saying. Just don't push it, even if he's ready, even if he's cleared by Friday or whatever. Just just don't. Don't push it. Let Garantano play this game. And most people, I think, a lot of fans out there have been saying this. Just let Garantano take... That's soft. Take That's the, a soft approach. Well, let Garantano take the punishment that everyone thinks you're going to be getting from Alabama. Now, two things about that. Alabama's a very good team still, but this is not the typical Alabama defense we're used to seeing. So oh, just you wait. Oh, no, it's a good defense. It's a good defense, but they have they have some holes. Most, mostly inside linebacker because they've had some injuries there, but the, this team is not... I mean, what, flawless defensively. What, what kind of message are you sending in your program if you're and that, saying, uh, we're gonna, we're not, we're gonna treat this? You remember the last time Tennessee treated you, a game like this? They yeah. lost to Georgia State. You don't have to there you send go. that message. I was gonna you say, you just, just say he's say not he clear. Just had a concussion. Yeah, yeah. But people are gonna, buy, people, you know, your team's gonna know if he's cleared or not. Maybe it's gonna look weird if he's in the stands celebrating, right? And <laughs> and watching a second half of a game in a loud stadium for two hours. But anyway, the more the more I thought then about seven this, days later, it's like, oh, he's he can't play against Alabama. The more I thought about this, though, I mean, think about almost eight days later because the game's at like ten o'clock. Yeah, think about it's, it's what the third Sunday in October. Remember the twenty fifteen Tennessee game at Alabama? No, don't don't remember it. where where Dobbs sure goes. Do. On, Dobbs goes on the road. That Tennessee team plays pretty well. They. Alabama's after after the game talking about how physical Tennessee was, how how much they that that was the most physical team they played that year. I think someone said at one point, um, you know that that was sort of a it wasn't a turning point for Tennessee, but it was a game that we look back on and said you know that was a sign of how good that team could be uh, when it was playing its best. And they they took they pushed Bama to the brink of an upset uh, when the final five minutes Bama had to score to put to take the lead back and put that game away. So. Who's to say you don't have that type of game here, even if you don't pull the upset? What if Maurer goes down there and Tennessee puts up 25, 27 points or something? You know, that, what, what if you have a pretty good game and it sort of rejuvenates this offense even more and they hit their stride going into an important game against South Carolina? And, and just in general, like Patrick said, he needs playing time. He, he needs the, uh, the experience. He just threw a couple interceptions uh, against a Mississippi State team that's not a world beater. You know, If he throws another couple picks against Alabama, he'll learn from those too. So y'all out here trying to claim Pyrrhic victories. Now I'm out here saying I'm trying to win six games. No, I hear you, but I'm just saying this might help you win six games if he gets better in this game. If your offense as a whole gets better in this game, you, I, you're you're synchronized softness over yeah, there. Yeah, you're you are. you're trying to avoid injury because he just suffered a concussion by saying, you know what, physical I need to, injury, psychological injury. I need to keep my quarterback <laughs> from getting killed is what you're saying. Alabama just, I mean, Texas A&M scored how many points against Alabama? Texas A&M is yeah. a better team than Tennessee. They are, but Tennessee might put Ole up Miss t- scored 31. Is Ole Miss a better team than Tennessee? Tennessee could put out 20-plus against Alabama. Tell me that wouldn't be a confidence boost for this team. Tell me Maurer couldn't learn from playing against the number one team in the country. There, there's some benefit to it. Plus, not to go all Herm Edwards on you, which Arizona State's <laughs> in the top 20, by the way. Uh, you, why do you play the game, Wes? Uh, you don't I, play the game for self-preservation for the final five games. I'm I'm playing to try to win six hurt. games because if I win six games, I get 15 if, extra if, practices. If, if I win six games, I can claim that my program's moving forward. Getting to six wins, 100% is this team's yeah, goal so right go now. beat Alabama. There you go. That'll get you to six wins. Yeah, but you're Boom, not going to. You're not going to. Boom, right in your face. Well, you I, might. I, Ryan said they had a Big 12 defense. I did not say that. <laughs> Ryan said put the mortgage on 35 and a half. Is that, that was not at all. I think, I, I think Ryan said Jalen Hurts is killing these these Big 12 defenses so much because <laughs> he got used to seeing one every day in practice for the past couple of years. Listen, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not someone who normally – I do normally believe that you go play to win the game and that you give every chance you can to win every but game. But you're scared of Bama, so no, we know. No, I'm scared of Bama. I'm trying to win six games. Well, I'm you, trying to win six games. Well, you got to win three before you get to six. Well, you're brother. not going to win them running a podcast. If so I you better get out there and work. 
I think uh, that if I'm playing, they're they're not going to win six games. Or if I'm coaching, they're not going to win six games. I'm saying there are people out there who are capable of helping them do those things. Maybe don't get them killed. Just a thought. I don't know. I don't know. You need to be alive to play football? All I'm saying is that I think it's something to think about and, and, and think about this. Um, Jared Garantano's gone down there and played decent football before. He's a guy who maybe has some confidence when? right now. His first, his one of his first games in his career, he went out there against Bama and made a couple good plays at the end of the game. Then they score seven points in that game. That and was I a Daniel Batuli interception return. Yeah, he was out there doing some good things in that game. You would have benched him too. Didn't Rashawn Golden do a good thing in that game? Yeah, <laughs> the 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 bird. He did two good things, Grant. Oh, yeah, two good things. The birds, the birds, the birds heard around the world. No, all I'm saying is that if they're first off, and I'm being completely serious about this, with everything we know about concussions in this day and age. Uh, if there is any doubt whatsoever, oh, well, you do not play him. Well, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not. And, yeah. I, and I know you're saying, you're saying, if he's cleared to play, th- then go. I'm saying, if there's any doubt, if, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, the only reason that I would play him in this game is if I go to the doctors and I say, "Are oh, you telling me he's 100 percent cleared? There are no symptoms. Everything is back to normal. All those." those scans and all those, um, you know, those kind of acuity tests and all those things they do, those are all up to par. If everything lines up to where he is, great. Then maybe think about it. it. I just... It sounds like if you're Pruitt, you're going to go... You're going to go hit Pop Ryan on the head and practice this week and get him get him back on the protocol. So it sounds like you're going to do... <laughs> you're going to pull the you're gonna pull the non-contact jersey off and let him get hit in practice. All I'm saying is you could be like... You could you could take... You know, remember when uh, when Lane Kiffin got the commitment of uh, Nuki's Richardson and he got that score and he kept it in his desk and he didn't say anything about it all day and he, and he kind of let the kid have his moment and have that dramatic uh, pick of Tennessee? Maybe if you get that, that approval, you know, email approval message, you just stick that in your desk, shut the door... And uh, hide it for a couple days. That's all I'm saying. I was in college when Nuki's committed, so I don't. I don't really remember that story. Um, how, you, you don't want to know the history about the team you're covering? I was in the weight room when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was, Seriously, it was. That doesn't narrow it down. I, I was. I was preparing myself mentally and physically to pick T-Rex. Tennessee to beat Mississippi State T-Rex. in 2000, whatever year it is. 19. 2019. That's and it right. worked. You're welcome. All I'm saying is it's, I think it's something to think about, and I don't think it's soft to think that way. I think it's smart. That's all I'm saying, Pat. That's all I'm saying. Before we go to break here, we do need to mention a couple other things. Uh, we will discuss this probably more later in the week, um, but uh, Tennessee will be playing the Alabama game, the first half of it, without um, one of its uh, better defenders, uh, Henry Tooto. Tooto, Tooto, Hank T. Hank T. Uh, did get a what I think we can all agree was a fair interpretation of the targeting rule to get ejected from that game. And even, even Hank T knew it cause he went to the sideline and told Pruitt immediately. Yeah. I, I, that I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. He, he kind of tapped his chest like to say my bad. Yeah. And, and he, which is reminds me of every time someone says that to Rick Barnes in basketball practice, I know it's your bad. We all know it's your bad. We can all see it's your bad. Uh, but he will be out for the first half. And that means that Tennessee, will go into the first half of that Alabama game with Daniel Batuli, who had to miss half of a game against Alabama, I believe, last year. Uh, so they'll have him at middle linebacker, and then next to him they will have uh, some combination of uh, Quavaris Crouch, who's mostly been an outside linebacker and is a true freshman, uh, or they will have uh, Solon Page, who will be playing in the third game of his college career as a fourth-year junior. Uh, or they will just you know, bring J.J. Peterson, and he'll rise up like uh, – like, uh, like was a Phoenix? It? No, like Undertaker. Like, here he is. He's back. Uh, and he goes out there and, and plays ball, although I doubt it because he, he's still not in shape. But I, I think that basically they're going to be playing some combination of Crouch and, um, and Page, depending on what defense they're in. So, fellas, that's going to be really, really interesting uh, how they're going to negotiate that. Uh, that's going to – Making and, and I know Bama doesn't really do as much smash mouth as it used to because it has maybe the best quarterback in college football, without question the best wide receiver core in college football. So they they do a lot of slinging slinging that tater as Ramey likes to say. So that maybe lessens the blow a little bit, but that's still a a guy they just absolutely cannot afford to to not have. It's it's another problem on a long list of problems any defense is going to have when you're trying to prepare to face that offense. 
Speaking of, list. Speaking of slinging that tater, somebody was at Saturday's game. Go ahead, Ryan. Deliver the news. Tyler Bray, former Vols quarterback. The tater Vols slinger. Vols are undefeated and Bray's in the house in 2019. Tater slinger himself in the building. The, the Bears, on the other hand, are 0-1 when he's part of the active roster. That was rude. Mm. So, man, you're, you sat you there, and you looked right in his yeah, face with well, that Bears hat on his head, and you said that to him. He got a trip to <laughs> London out of it, you jerk. That's true. <laughs> Expenses paid, trip to London, faux free. Got to see Big Ben. Got to see Big Chase. Zero dollars, zero oh. cents, zero sterling, all of that. But I, I do think that that, that was I, an injury. I'm, I'm saying that the Bears would have won that game against the Raiders had they just let Tyler get out there and sling the tater. I'm not ready to go there yet. So we know that they're not going to have uh, Toto. We know that they're not going to have Trayvon Flowers, uh, who had been playing much better football and now is out, uh, if not for the season, certainly for, for a while uh, with a broken leg. You know, because a broken leg tends to mean you can't play football well, for a while. Now, to clarify, Trayvon Flowers did tweet himself ankle, and he actually had it was apparently more like his foot wrapped up. So the ankle's part of the leg, as Patrick pointed out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so you mean Doc? You mean Doctor Pruitt may have been off a little? Well, bit. Well, I'm just saying broken. No, your no, ankle it's not, is part of your leg. Yeah, it's not inaccurate. I'm just saying the description of the injury might make it sound more severe than it is. We don't know. Actually, it, hold on. Let's go to Doctor Rucker, and he can tell us. Yeah, I don't know. To say uh, now, now we no will clear. say that, we will say this. Um, we don't know yet. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt didn't say after the game that he's out for the year. Yeah, um, so I'm saying we, I'm saying if not for the year, at yeah. least for an extended period of time. Yeah, so he'll be out for a while. Every, everything Jeremy Pruitt knows about uh, anything medical is from that board game that you try to take the bones operation. out. The operation. Yeah, operation. <laughs> That's the only thing. Well, <laughs> you not know the name I'll, of the operation? I'll, yeah, I went. It's, it's down near the foot, the, leg, whatever. All I know is the doctors went in there to try to fix it, and a big buzzer went off, and it just it didn't work <laughs> out. His nose turned red. Yeah, it's probably not working <laughs> out so good. But yeah, no, I, I think that that they'll not have him now. They could have uh, perhaps um, Raleigh Locklear uh, could come back uh, after missing last week's game with a uh, with concussion like symptoms. Although it's interesting that that Pruitt wanted to be clear with Locklear that it was. I don't want to say it was a concussion, but it was, you know, something like that. He got his bell rung, and then with with uh, with Maurer, he immediately goes, concussion. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, who are you, and what have you done with Jeremy Pruitt? Are you just admitting something uh, medically? Wow. Um, but th- they're obviously going to be a little dinged up after that game, and, and every every injury that Tennessee has at this point is a big deal because as, as Pat – uh, and I were talking about after the game, and as he so astutely noted, uh, if they had had everyone healthy right now, they'd still be like in the 70s and scholarship guys out there. And, you know, they're redshirt and Brandon Johnson. Now they've got a couple guys that are out for extended periods of time. So if a couple more guys go down, you're talking about a team that's basically got in the number of 60s in terms of scholarship players, and, and then there are other freshmen you are redshirting, other guys that you don't have available. So – you know, NFL teams only, you know, need 45 to 53 or whatever it is, uh, you know, when they go play. So so they're okay. But in college, you're usually playing against teams that have much bigger rosters of scholarship players. And, yeah. and so every time Tennessee doesn't have a guy out there, it's a big deal. If Tennessee had 53 NFL players, it'd be fine. That's true. <laughs> Even if it were 53 Dolphins or Jaguars or Redskins, they'd be fine. Not, not to make light of the Trayvon Flowers injury, but did you all see him? Like, he got hurt on the interception return. Yeah. That was on the – Mississippi State sideline. He had to get all the way across the field. Everybody wanted to celebrate with him all the way across the field. He got to the sideline. Everybody on the sideline wanted to celebrate. He was just like trying to get away from everybody. Everybody <laughs> yes. was smacking him and stuff. <laughs> He's like, he, they need a safe word in that situation. Yeah, like, y'all get away from me. This is hurt. <laughs> like, uh, like, ouch, 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 <laughs> ouch, ouch. <laughs> yeah, like some sort of a buzzword that's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't be going up to hit you right now. Um, it, it it did kind of fly under the radar though that Flowers started Saturday's game. You know, we we talked so much about how well Theo Jackson had played. I mean, they could probably go back to Jackson and everything's fine. Although Jalen Jalen McCullough got some playing time also. Yeah, did Saturday. a couple good things in that game. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go there, but that that is a bit of a blow because this is a guy who was in the starting lineup for that game, and you know we'll we'll see we'll see whether it's just Theo Jackson again or whether McCullough gets in the mix, but it takes away some of your depth there and at least makes that a shakier position for the for the next several weeks. And then uh, you know you mentioned Locklear, the offensive line. Uh, we talked about earlier how well they played on the offensive line. They've continued to be a bit of a revolving door. They've started five yeah. different lineups in six games. So they're playing but better. But they're playing better, so no one's complaining yeah, about that now. They're playing better, but even even Saturday's game, they got some different combinations out there at times. They pulled Darnell Wright at one point and, and put Karon Calvert in at right tackle again. Uh Ryan Johnson was in at different times at, at right guard after starting that game. So uh Jerome Carvin got some playing time. They they had some different groups out there. 
it was in the fourth quarter. It was back to Johnson and Wright on the right side, was it not? No, it was Carvin or Car. No, I'm sorry, right. Carvin and Wright on the right side. So that's interesting to keep in mind. Do we see another change this week? Does Carvin maybe get in the mix for a starting job? Uh, he he might. He definitely. Uh, I thought he outplayed Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson had a good block on Tim Jordan's touchdown run. Yes, but he did. There was mm-hmm. a lot of times where Ryan Johnson was also getting pushed in the backfield and or not pushing anybody uh, forward. So. Um, that, that right guard spot seems to be uh, the spot they're still trying to get settled. It's yep. a flashpoint um, there. Yeah, they're having said, a hard time figuring that out. Uh, one guy we haven't mentioned is Jameer Johnson, who I do think is close to come yeah. back. I don't know if he'll be I back. I think he against, could, maybe he could be back. Maybe Locklear could be back. He didn't dress out Saturday, which makes you think he's not ready just yet. Yeah, he, he did practice a lot. I don't, you know, we'll see how he, what he does in practice this week. If it's Alabama, maybe it's South Carolina. Uh, I wonder if there is the op- the chance that if he does get back and is healthy and is back to himself, if, I wonder if they don't flip Trey Smith over to right guard. Yeah. Because uh, Jameer's only played on the left side in his career. So you could either uh, – Would I, you want to break up he, that Wanye-Trey thing? You might not want to, there? but, you know, if you want to slide Wanye down to guard where he's next to Brandon uh, Brandon Kennedy, maybe that helps. Wanye likes playing tackle more, and I think he's better at tackle. I mean, they're big guys. Yeah. Their first names rhyme. Everything's working out pretty well over there. <laughs> I like. I, I think they do like the Wanye Trey, the Wanye Trey combination there. On the Shake side. and bake. It's rhyme-ish, right? I mean, rhyme-ish. Yeah. No, and, and I think I, I do want to mention one more thing uh, quickly before we step away for break and, and come back with recruiting. Is that the, I wanted to mention this earlier and I didn't. And then Ramy's point about the guy celebrating with flowers reminded me of this. That if you if y'all didn't see it, if you go back, there's a couple of highlights that show kind of some of the celebrations the team had with Tyler Bird after he scored that touchdown. And, and that, to me, you know, that touchdown may have been the signature moment of the game, but for me, sitting there looking at it, the signature moment of the game was watching everyone respond to Tyler Bird in that moment. I don't know if there's anybody on the team they would have rather seen in the end zone there because they know. They know he's worked hard. They know he's been a good dude. They know he's tried. And he just – it hadn't worked out for him. And for him to go make that play, I mean, Callaway – acted more excited than he's ever been for one of his own touchdowns. And, and then the entire sideline, like, swarmed him when he got over there. And they were just all – I mean, there was a picture that supposedly of Tyler Bird. There's just like a – like, you, you can't see him because all these guys who are much bigger than five foot 11, 198 pounds or whatever, are in there just kind of slapping him on the helmet and, and being with him. And, and that's cool because moments like that are, are some of the things I really, really like about sports are, are when guys don't quit and they get their chance. I'm not saying it's a Rudy moment because Tyler Burr was a top 100 prospect for crying out loud, but still it kind of has one of those cool feelings. Well, like Wes Brown, that's the one that always yeah. stands out to Great me. Point. Scoring the touchdown in Lane Kiffin's, uh, at the end of Lane Kiffin's year in 2009. Out it, there with like, you know, like with, with no legs that weren't like broken yeah. or twisted or final home just game, mangled legs at that point in his career. Final home game and he intercepts, uh, what returns an interception or a fumble. I think it was an interception returns a pick yeah. for a touchdown mm-hmm. and his teammates mob him, you know, those kinds of, yeah, those, those kinds of moments are, are feel good stories. And you often have those in the early stages of a rebuild. It's not uncommon for a, you know, second year team with under a coaching staff like this, not a, not a lot of talent just all over the roster where dude guys like that basically got crab meat for knees i mean you know yeah I mean, just a dude out there you know that, that was a good moment that was a that was a cool moment i was glad underdog to, moment glad to see that. storybook when something happens against the odds when you're out there on a limb by yourself <laughs> when you've really put in the work <laughs> over the years you study real hard real hard you study real real hard you know, you break down everything. You scout very carefully. You just detail every matchup, and you just you just nail it. And you get Dude. one win that you celebrate forever. That's right. That's all you need. Yep. Hey, are you going to pick him to beat Bama? Check, check in later in the week. I mean, spoiler alert. Pat's Ooh. over here acting like, you know, they're just one quarterback away from going ahead and, and pulling that upset. Oh, boy. That's all I'm saying. Guys, we're going to step away because uh, this was this was not maybe the biggest recruiting weekend of the season for Tennessee. That was the Georgia game, but uh, it was a home game. There is some interesting recruiting news out there. And uh, as always, we give all of that stuff uh, to you for, for the paying people there, the, the, the people who pays on GoVols247.com. But we do throw out a little bit there in the podcast on Monday. So we're going to step away, uh, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, ads, all that, come back, talk a little bit of recruiting. Hashtag. Uh... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services you may have just heard or not heard depending on uh, what day it is and, and whether I do this thing correctly, which is, is always, uh, it's, it's never a given. It's never a given. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown. You try real hard, though. Try real hard. Grant Ramey. Ryan Callahan, guys, uh, this is often the time in the podcast and on in Monday mornings where Pat and I mention that recruiting things happen, and then we just kind of step away and and let you two uh, um, gentlemen discuss things you two here. Peas in, in a pod, you two peas in a recruiting pod. Uh, B stud updates of the week, uh, Ryan and Grant. The floor is yours. Well, not not the biggest visitor weekend. I will say there there are positives to getting. Way to go, way to go. Well, you just ruined it already. No, but do, do Pat and I need to step in and do this? No, hold on. There are positives to having a noon game. Uh, one of which is uh, you know Tennessee did have some important visitors. Grant, in Grant gets home before bedtime. Uh, yeah, it's true. There's that, but yeah, uh, you know when you have a night game. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot more guys have an, an opportunity to make the trip. Usually, you know, the Georgia game was a good example of that. It was a bigger game, but also guys just have longer to make the trip. So you're much more likely to get guys in from Georgia, North Carolina, farther away that don't have to play a Friday night game and then get up the next day at six or 7 a.m. and drive to Knoxville. You know, that's, that's a tough trip to make for a lot of guys. So you end up sort of drawing from within a three hour radius a lot of times for those noon games. Um, it, you sometimes catch some guys that had the weekend off. And that was the case with some of the guys they hosted. Uh, Christian Veyu, a 20, 2021 quarterback from Maryland, who's originally from from Canada. Uh, I'm not sure if he watches Letter Kenny, but he is from Canada. He probably and, should, which, <laughs> by the way, is back out today for season seven. Okay. So you should go be watch a good it. Talking point. Yep. But th- uh, th- thanks for we just we just gave you so much money, Hulu. You should pay us so much for that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he was in town, and he and an example of how you benefit from the early start. He got to hang around with the coaches and watch film with them after the game. Watch film from Saturday's game. Uh, with Chris Winkie and Joe Osavet. So uh, some cool things like that you can do. On the other hand, for night games, guys usually have to stay in overnight, even if they just stay in town and get up the mor- next morning and leave. Some will end up coming back to the complex and visiting with coaches again on Sunday before they leave, or they can come in early on Saturday and spend more time with coaches before the game. Um, so so it, there are pluses to both. And, and yeah, the, the, the Christian value visit is an example of where it's a positive. The negative, of course, again, just not as much time for guys to come in. So not a huge visitor list for this one, but they did have one official visitor, Octavius Oxendine, the, the three-star. What a freaking name. Yep. Uh, and I, you, I wanted him to sign that guy already. Well, if you saw him, I mean, he's he's built like one of your guys, too. He's six, oh, boy. He's 6'2", 305. Oh, man. Oh, I, I man. I wouldn't I'm, quite I'm excited. Say, I'm excited. I wouldn't quite say he's Elijah Simmons part two. He's taller than that and a little, little bit longer. Can he Can he dunk? He. I don't can, know if can he can, he, can dunk. Can he even dunk? Was there room at the dojo? Yeah, <laughs> so lots of room at the dojo. Wait, 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 a, lot wait, of the, wait, a lot of the ninjas have left. What's, and gone what's your star? The portal. What, what's his ranking, Ryan? What's his ranking? Uh, he, he's a three star. I mean, okay, he he's, he has potential. Yeah, he has so, potential. <laughs> now he is rated a four star on at least one other site, but he is a three star on on twenty four seven sports and in the twenty four seven sports composite. So the only things that matter, he's 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 yeah. basically he he could be a ninja. Wes doesn't like many four stars ever. No, so, no. Um, to a- anyone can predict success for to, a five star or four star. Too to well publicized. Anyone can do that. Um, but yeah, so, but he's been a priority for Tennessee for a long time. They offered him about a year and a half ago. Now he's been in Tennessee multiple times. He's from the Louisville area. So not too far away. And it's a Tennessee, Kentucky battle mostly right now. Those are his first two official visits. He went to Kentucky last month on an official Tennessee this weekend on official. It sounded like talking with him after the visit, he is still pretty, pretty open and he's going to take more official visits. But I, I think in the end, it comes down to Tennessee and Kentucky. And I think the Vols were in really good shape with him at one point earlier this year. And I think this weekend definitely helped him. I mean, seeing them win a game like that sort of, you know, counteracts any advantage Kentucky might've had from, from having won a couple games while Tennessee had struggled early this season. So, um, you, you know, Tennessee playing better and, you know, it, I'll say this, it adds to the stakes of the Tennessee Kentucky game next month. Not to say that a kid's ever going to make a decision based off one game, but you know, if Tennessee could go on the road and win that game, you know, a, a recruiting side effect to that, maybe that, Show it helps progress. Ten- yeah, it helps Tennessee's cause in a head-to-head battle with Kentucky for a guy like Octavius Oxendine, which is especially it's it's noteworthy because Tennessee's missed out on a guy to Kentucky this year, Trayvon Ribka, the yep. in-state defensive lineman. At least for now. And a couple other guys that Tennessee would have loved to have had, including Justin Rogers, the five-star defensive tackle from Michigan, pick Kentucky that you know Tennessee would have gladly taken him. And at one point it looked like Tennessee was getting Justin Rogers. So you need to you need to start winning those battles on the field to help off the field. But yeah, this is another one that looks like it might come down to the Vols and the Wildcats. Um, uh, another 
noteworthy visit, I thought. Well, first of all, Tyler, uh, Tyler Barron was back on campus. Jay Hardy was back on campus. Those are two big in-state priorities that Tennessee needs to, needs to land, honestly. And, and I think Tennessee still is in pretty good shape with both. So it helped to have those two guys in the house to see Tennessee make some strides on the field. Harrison Bailey also was back in town, the quarterback commitment, who, a guy who very recently spoke with us and said, you know, hey, I, 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 may, I might take some other visits, and, I, and Tennessee needs oh. to win some games. He, he, didn't, he didn't overplay it, and I think people have probably made a little bit too much of it, but anytime a guy like that who's the centerpiece of your class sort of says that, um, it, it's concerning a little bit. So the fact that you won in front of those guys, I think that, that helps quite a bit and, and some other targets that – uh, or work. maybe he was just trying to motivate him. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Well, and he, and he said he, if he takes any more visits, he said it kind of might be on the down low. He might try to keep them quiet and not really say, you know, acknowledge where he, he would visit. He, when we, when he's talked about, I think people would notice probably it's hard to keep official visits quiet, but sometimes it does happen. And, and he did say earlier this year, even when other schools were still recruiting him, he didn't really want to mention specific schools. You know, he's always kind of played it close to the vest. So you don't know what to make of that, but it was interesting. So I think if you're Tennessee winning games and, Playing better offensively helps your your chances of holding on to Harrison Bailey, so that's that's obviously a positive. And you know Tyler Barron, good to get him back on campus, even though he's right there in your backyard and and his dad's on Tennessee staff. You you need him back on campus after his Ohio State official visit, and he's closing in on, on a decision, and he gets to see you win a game against an SEC team. So all that helps, and uh, you know pretty good weekend for Tennessee, I think, uh, especially with the guys who were there. But you know even with guys who weren't there, they had some important targets visiting other SEC schools who now get to hear about Tennessee winning a game. Um, one particularly big visit weekend that uh, happened elsewhere was at Texas A&M where Omari Thomas uh, yeah. from Memphis was, uh, was on an official visit there. And also Chris Morris, the longtime Tennessee offensive line target from Memphis, also there on an official visit. Texas A&M thought of as the favorite in that one, but Tennessee's still battling hard. Um, still some optimism that maybe Texas A&M gets a commitment from him, if not by the end of the visit, which is extending into Monday. Um, then now maybe, that's a long visit. Well, it's a it's a two day visit, and they've got a holiday from school. So a lot of a lot of their official visitors apparently have hung around for the whole weekend, and we're spending part of Monday there since it's uh, I guess Columbus Day, and some people get that off apparently. Yeah, we don't. But uh, so uh, so yeah, those guys hung around, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna actually text Jeremy Pruitt, you know, right now, and be like, hey, you know, you know Columbus conference. Day. Do we have to come do this whole presser thing <laughs> <Yeah>. today? <laughs> Thanks, close. Yeah, come it's a, on. It's a good idea. So, uh, so yeah, those guys are at Texas A&M. There were some other Tennessee targets, not uh, not anybody as prominent probably as those two, but some other guys at LSU for a big visit weekend. So plenty to keep an eye on this time of year, and uh, not just the guys Tennessee had on campus, but it was a, a, a pretty good weekend for Tennessee because of the win. Guys, uh, any other any other interesting news and notes? I guess, Grant, do we want to talk a, just a tiny bit about hoops before we step out Do we here? need a hoops recruiting update? Do you got my CBS music still there? Is it long gone? Oh, gosh, I was not ready for that. Well, you caught Wes off guard. Yeah, that was like two years ago. I'll just, you want me to just sing one shining moment? That's fine, too. The ball is tipped, and Luther, here's your... Luther Van Rucker. The ball is tipped, and here's your recruiting update from Grant. Everybody's waiting on Jaden Springer, uh, five-star shooting guard. Um, I don't think anything's changed. I don't think anybody's worried about him. I think everybody still feels like Tennessee's by far the, the leader in the clubhouse there over, over Memphis and Michigan. Uh, that, that one's been talked about for a while. If he's added to that class, uh, you know, another five-star to go along with Keon Johnson and a highly rated four-star um, with Jaden Springer. Tennessee did have an official basketball visitor over the weekend, Dylan Cardwell, three-star center uh, out of Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. He's another guy that – uh, could be in the mix for this class. I don't know when they'll uh, – if they do get Springer, that would kind of fill up their allotment. They would have to oversign. I don't know if that would happen in the spring. Got to do it to get a big man. Right, wait, wait for some attrition or how they would kind of go about that. But but Cardwell is one of those guys. Another one of those potential guys is in on an official visit next week, uh, October 18th. Well, it's not a Tennessee home football weekend, but they're still hosting uh, P.J. Hall, the four-star power forward out of – South Carolina, top 60 guy. I don't think Tennessee's a leader there. There's there's some tough competition for him. They'd have to make up some ground, but he is uh, getting to town on an official visit, or at least that's been the schedule uh, as of lately. And then two weeks after that is a huge 2021 uh, recruiting weekend for them with uh, the five-star power forward, Paulo Benchero from Seattle. He's a top five guy in the country. Uh, and 2021 uh, five-star point guard, Kennedy Chandler from Briarcrest uh, in Memphis. He's probably their number one target on the board in 2021. So that's a huge couple weekends coming up for them. And I should say that also there there's a lot more uh, hoops, just team coverage also on GoBoss 24-7 right now uh, because we're getting ready to kick off the whole, uh, you know, hoops podcast season. It's, it's about that time, but uh, Tennessee's been out there practicing, uh, certainly have seen a little bit. And, and the one thing that I will say before we step out of here is uh, – 
I don't know that the sample size I've seen is large enough to make any sort of any sort of comment here. Um, but I can already say just kind of after watching them a little bit, uh, I really don't know why uh, yeah, Uros Plasic redshirted at, at Arizona State. I don't really understand that. I think he's a guy who, unless he was just hurt or something, that just he looked like a guy who probably could help most teams. I think he was a six-foot point guard uh, when he got to Arizona State, and then he left. He was seven one, And then he gained, gained 13 inches, right. basically. Basically, yeah. just a growth spurt. I'm just saying that guy, that guy is um, – that guy's physically impressive and also impressively loud on the defensive end of the floor. He, uh, Rick Barnes likes communicators back there on the back end uh, of the defense. And, um, man, that kid, that kid basically basically taught himself English by just talking to people and saying, what does that mean? That's a really good way to learn. Right. That's also sort of how you learn English, isn't it? Until I learned to pick football games. Is, is that is that how they teach you in the Tri-Cities? <laughs> is that what they do? Yeah. What's the public school really? <laughs> yeah, it depends. I mean, it's it's just it's, it's, it's whatever. Listen, it got me here. I'm fine. That's a good point. And where else would you rather be? Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, uh, we will be back on Thursday morning, unless there's some breaking news before that point, and there might be. So we will be tuned in, or y'all should be tuned in for that. Keep an eye on this podcast feed. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening again. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24/7. Patrick Brown's P Brown, 24/7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can also find all of us at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. And Grant does a great job running our Facebook page there at facebook.com slash govols 24-7, where we bring you lots and lots of Tennessee news. And we uh, do not rig elections. Uh, So so if you have any complaints with Facebook, just send the notes to Grant, not Mark Zuckerberg. We will not not be running uh, political ads, I I do believe. So we can can steer clear of all that. Uh, Political hashtags. Hashtag ads. Hashtag political hashtag ads. Or if you want to drink your water straight from the hose, you can go to govols247.com. Got 30% off of an annual subscription right now. Got all kinds of good reasons for you to be there. Got football news, football recruiting news, basketball news, basketball recruiting news, baseball news. All the, We got baseball news sometimes. Got women's basketball news all the time. Women's basketball recruiting news, softball news. Anything you could possibly want. Plus, uh, Raimi's workout routine, also. Raimi, you have no thoughts on that? I'm in. Whatever you need from me. Pat, any final thoughts? Send me the address. Final thoughts, Pat? No.